Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? It's great to see you all. Before we jump into the message this morning, you know, we were just singing there about the faithfulness of God. And I just want to remind ourselves just about how good God is to us. And sometimes we don't realize it. And if you ever look back at your life, at a decision you were considering, and then you didn't do it, and you're like, oh, thank God I didn't do that thing. And in the moment, you were just like, it seemed like a simple decision. Do you know God was helping you in that moment? We could be so thankful for his grace that he helped us to make the right choice. And then there's times that we can look back at our lives and we really messed up. Does anyone have any of those as well? But then what did God do? He helped us get back on track. So he's faithful and he's there with us. He's there with us in the big moments and the small moments. And so it's just so good to remind ourselves to be thankful for the faithfulness of God. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. Well, we are continuing our series uh, today, Jesus, the Disciple Maker. And what we're wanting to do this fall is we're wanting to see ourselves um, in the purposes of God, that we're not just saved so we can die and go to heaven. And we're not just saved just to wait for the return of Jesus that we have a purpose within our salvation and this purpose is for us to be discipled in the ways of God so that we can be an example to others, that we can be the proverbial city on a hill, that we can walk in the ways of the kingdom of God, the thoughts of God, the plans of God, that we can make a difference in the world and we can be an example to others. So what we're doing in this series, we're knowing that we have been saved, that there is a moment where Jesus has saved us. He's transformed us on the inside. He's brought us from death to life, that our destiny is changed forever. But then also the purpose of God for us is to be moved into the image of Christ, to change. And if we, we look out in, in culture, culture is also changing, but with no destination in mind just trying random stuff. Well, let's just try this and we'll see if this works and we'll see if this works. The change that we have in God is not that. The change that we have in God, this transformation that God wants us to be involved in is to move to the image of Christ. The most impactful human ever, God coming down in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and and living the perfectly sacrificial life that we can be moved into his image, that we can be changed into his image. Thank God for that. So we wanna be setting ourselves this fall. We wanna reach to somebody who's far from God, help them to have a relationship with God. And then for those of us that have a relationship with God, we're not stopping there. We are growing in the ways of God. This is the great commission that we find here in Matthew uh, chapter 28, verse 19. It says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the great commission, what we know of as a church. This is why the church exists. Our our co-mission, the mission of the church, the mission of God is people. God having a relationship with people and this then is our mission. We have a purpose. We have a reason to gather together to worship and lift up the name of Jesus so that we can draw other people to the name of Jesus. And then we can see here in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So this is what we're focusing on in this series, that we're not just supposed to be converts. We're not supposed to be Christians in name only, that we are supposed to be following after 
the teachings of Jesus. We are supposed to be disciples who make other disciples. So this fall at the church, we have opportunities for us to grow and to change at times for us to gather to worship just like we did and remind ourselves of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, all of these wonderful characteristics of God the Father. We have preaching times like what we're doing right now, and we also have city school, which started a couple weeks ago, and then we have groups, which were just mentioned, um, you know, on the announcements, and then we have opportunities to serve the city. We have opportunities for us to be generous every week, reminding ourselves that God is our source, that we aren't the source of our lives, that God is. And so all of these things are an opportunity, and we have to take those opportunities to grow, to change, to not stay the same. The only way for us to grow is for us to change, so we can't be staying the same. God doesn't want us to stay the same. Can I get an Amen. So some of these characteristics of discipleship that we've been talking about, that disciples are disciplined, that God is wanting us to incorporate some disciplines into our lives, ways of following him so that when, when life and the world goes another direction, I'm going to continue to follow Jesus, that there's going to be some negative things come our way, not because God is causing those things to happen in your life, but because we live in a broken world and there is an enemy We're gonna be facing some difficulties in our lives, but because we have these habits of following Jesus, we have these practices of daily times uh, submitting ourselves to the word of God and the ways of God and spending time in prayer, I have these habits of following God every day that these things won't get me off track. So I'm incorporating these disciplines into my life and then moving towards Christ, which we talked about, is a move towards the exceptional. And I would, I would say this is an important part of following Jesus, that we all have some brokenness. We all have some struggles from our past, uh, depending on our upbringing and all these different circumstances that we faced. And these things can cause us to just be like, okay, I guess this is all life is going to be, and just be satisfied with middle of the road, be satisfied with me- mediocre. But Jesus was not mediocre in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So we move to Jesus and a move towards Jesus, a move to growth in God is a move towards health in every way. So we're looking at the word of God and we're not just trying to gain more information that we're wanting God to transform us this fall intentionally on purpose. So as we mature in in God, how how are we going to define these things? We know that we are going to be more strong, not just more strong physically. It's good to work out. You should work out a little bit so you can have strong muscles. But I'm talking about on the inside, that we would be strong on the inside, that we would learn to be persistent, that we would have joy regardless of what comes our way. We would have the calm of wisdom. We would have God's abiding peace. And then we would learn to be less selfish. This is a big one. As I've told you many times, you know, I've grown up in church and there were so many people who who claimed maturity in so many different ways. And and really maturity in God just moves us to unselfishness. That everything isn't actually all about me, that it is about God using me to be a blessing to others. And this is where maturity kicks in. Maturity in God kicks in when I'm thinking about others. When I'm thinking about, man, I get a chance to worship God and I'm coming to church today because I get to be a blessing to somebody else. This is what godly maturity looks like. So we're seeing Jesus not only as our savior, but as our life mentor, the one who's teaching us about 
life. So, so far in this series, we've talked about um, that we are formed, that we're changed in the context of family, that God is our father and he is changing us. We talked about house rules, that we're leaning into the word of God as God's children. What are the words from our father and how important is the word of God today? We're gonna be discussing that a little bit more. Week three, we talked about loving each other, how Jesus wants us to be famous for loving each other. And then last week, we talked about being devoted to God. Isaiah 64, verse eight says this, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. We should want to become who God has created us to be. So God wants to shape us and form us as our father, that we are this, the the metaphor here is that God is forming us into something, that his hands are on us, changing us for the good. And as I mentioned last week, there's no such thing as being discipleship neutral. And what I mean by that, we all are learning and growing in some way. Now, the culture can be shaping us. The news can be shaping us. Netflix can be shaping us. Thoughts and opinions of other people can be shaping us. And we are being changed into the image of something. But God wants to shape us. The Father God who loves us more than anyone wants us to be shaped into the image of Christ. So we wanna be open to what God has for us. Psalm 1, verse one says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. So we do wanna hang out with the wicked or sit in the way of the sinners nor hang around with the scoffers, the critics, because all of that, all of that thinking can shape us, change us. But instead, we're gonna choose the way of God. We're gonna delight in the law of God. And then what does God have for us at the end of all that? Whatever we do, prospers. Prospers just means to be successful. God wants us to be successful in the life that he has given us. And how are we gonna get there? We're not gonna hang out with the sinners and we're not gonna think their thoughts. We're not gonna think the thoughts of the scoffers. We wanna think the ways of God. And a big question as we, we talk about this today, just being teachable, the title of this message is Teach Me. And can I be humble enough to hear what God is saying to me? Can I be meek enough to hear the words of God? None of these words are bad words. It's not bad to be humble or meek. It's not, neither of these things are weak. But can we be open to what God is saying to us? And the question I have for you today, would we be able to survive walking with Jesus? If we were one of the present day disciples of Jesus when he was walking the earth about 2,000 years ago, would we be able to handle it? Because, you know, when we think about Jesus, and it's not that, and it's, not that it's bad that we think that Jesus was compassionate because Jesus was very compassionate, and he would pray for the individual, he would pray for the outcast, he would pray for somebody who was sick and alone, And we emphasize that and maybe overemphasize that. It's a good thing to do, remind us about who Jesus was. But do you also know that Jesus rebuked his disciples? 
and that just means corrected them? Could we handle it? When Jesus were to look at us and say, you're faithless. Well, Jesus, that's kind of mean. Jesus, that's not very Christian of you (laughs) to tell me that I'm faithless. Could we handle the rebuke of the Lord? The ways that Jesus trained his disciples, and we're gonna look at a few of these today, could, could we survive? Could we make it through or would we leave as some of Jesus' disciples did? And wouldn't that be a regret? Amen. For some of the contemporary disciples of Jesus, you know that Jesus had that 12 and then he had a greater group of disciples that are following him. And then a bunch of them, which we'll read about today, just kind of left him. And then maybe after the resurrection, they were like, mm, I think I made a mistake. Maybe I didn't get what he was saying. Maybe I didn't understand what he was saying to me. Can I be open and teachable? We know Jesus was compassionate, but Jesus also turned over the tables of the money changers and he had a whip, a whip. Jesus, that's not very Christian of you. That he was correcting people. And when we look at who Jesus was correcting, a lot of times he was correcting the religious people, the people who had claims on the knowledge of God and then very compassionate towards others who didn't have knowledge of God, but very direct with his disciples, very direct with the Pharisees, called them out, called them faithless. There was one time that Jesus went to pray for a little girl and there was other people in the room. And before he prayed for the little girl, he put everybody else out of the room, said, get out. Gotta pray for this little girl. Jesus, that's not very Christian of you to tell people to get out of the room. Couldn't his disciples look at that and be like, Jesus, I don't, this is not very nice. What you doing? Could we handle walking with Jesus in the ways he taught his disciples? And as we look at these stories today, and as we think about Jesus, there's something really important to think about that Jesus applied the appropriate action to the context. This is what we have to believe about as we read through the stories in the gospel. Jesus did the appropriate thing, even though we might not understand it as we read it with our 2022 trained eyes, Jesus did the right thing. Jesus had the appropriate actions and words for the context that he was operating in. Now, Jesus did turn over the tables of the money changers, but he didn't do that in every context, right? But it's important to know why these things happen. And it's important to know why Jesus did rebuke some people. Because do you think at any any moment in our lives, Jesus might wanna rebuke us? Are you here this morning? That he might just wanna correct us. You know, I, you know, growing up with my, my dad as a pastor, you know, my dad would, I would know my dad in the pulpit and I would know my dad as a dad. And, my, you know, my dad would preach a message and my dad was such a good preacher. And he would, you know, just, just so good every Sunday. And people would come up to me after service sometimes and be like, isn't that wonderful to have him as your father? 
And I'm, and I'm like, yes, but not for the reasons that you think. <laughs> he wasn't quoting to me healing scriptures every day when he was getting me out of bed and forcing me to go out and get jobs and training me as his son. My dad was applying the appropriate actions and words to me as his son as the context dictated. Some people just think, oh, my dad is quoting verses all of the time. No, he's sending me out to do the garbage. Okay, friends. (laughs) And he's rebuking me. I, I went out and we would do something together and I said the wrong thing. And afterwards, I would get rebuked. But the people that loved his preaching on Sunday morning, they weren't interested in that. This is what it means to have a close relationship with Jesus. That we would get close enough to him that he would offer us this wonderful healing hand of compassion, but then he would also say to us, hey, quit that. That attitude that you have, you need to change that. Isn't that also love? Isn't that love? Parents? The way for you to love your children, one of the ways for you to love your children is to correct them. To let them know that that type of behavior is not acceptable. Are you here this morning? Applying the appropriate action and words in any given context. So point number one today, as we look at some of the words of Jesus, is the call of repentance. We don't generally like repentance. And in fact, we have a caricature of evangelists that we, we don't like. And this becomes a negative word that, you know, evangelists are angry and they're on the street corner and they're just yelling at people to repent. And then repent becomes a bad word. But you know that repent is actually a really good word. If you are going over a cliff, somebody should tell you stop and turn around. That's what repentance is. It means to turn around and to go the other way. And God in our lives will call us to repent, change, stop doing that. Luke 5, 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. The tax collectors were the worst people in the Jewish culture in this moment, working for the Romans who were occupying Jewish territory. And they were collecting taxes from their own people and giving it to the enemy. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors. I mean, this is is not a good group of people. And others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Matthew four seventeen. from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven has come near. But we go back to that, that story where at Levi's house, Jesus answered and he said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, 
The Pharisees weren't actually righteous. They were the presumed righteous. They thought they were righteous. They were righteous in their own eyes. So what is Jesus saying? I've come to the ones that know that they need a savior, that we are aware that we need help from God. And those people, he's calling us to repent. And again, repent's not a bad word. God is wanting us to turn away from destruction. God is wanting us to turn away from sin. Sin ruins our lives and ruins the lives of others. Have you ever been hurt by someone else's sin? Come on now. Yeah, all of us have. So this is the, this is the reason for the call of, the, of repentance. Damages people. So this is why God wants us to repent to go away from sin, to move to the life of God, the ways of God. So he's calling us to repent, that we would be aware of our spiritual need. Romans chapter two, verse three says this, do not you suppose, a man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of the kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and penitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Some really deep thoughts here in these last two verses that the kindness of God is supposed to lead us to repentance. And again, we have repent in this bad category, but it is because God is kind to us that he's asking us to repent, to turn around and go the other way, to not continue in destructive, sinful behavior. It is the goodness of God. Otherwise, he just let us go. Otherwise, he wouldn't actually speak to our hearts. Like the example that I gave at the beginning of the message We could look back at those times when we messed up. Before we messed up, we also had the thought that we shouldn't do the thing that we did, and then we did it anyway. What was that? That was God's mercy in that moment, calling us to repent, to turn away from the ways of destruction, to turn away from the ways of harm. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And what is it, the, the, the thing that we don't like to talk about, the wrath of God? When we have a hard, an impenitent heart, just a hard heart, we just can't listen to anything anyone would say, especially God. We, for ourselves, are storing up the wrath of God. The wrath of God, why would God be angry with us? God is angry with us when we don't turn around to his ways. And he's angry because sin destroys lives. He doesn't want you to destroy your life. And I give this illustration so many times, but it helps us to understand the wrath of God. Because again, this concept is hard for people. A loving God, how can he also be wrathful? When your child in the mall, your toddler has a tantrum or nears one and you are embarrassed and you look at them with wrath. (laughs) See, and I see a tantrum, I'm just like, God help that parent. I I don't have wrath towards that child because I don't love that child the way the parent does. 
My own children, though? Uh-uh. Wrath. <laughs> my dad to me and my sister, wrath. So we put it in, in that context that helps us to understand that. So, but we don't want, or we shouldn't want to have a hard heart because we shouldn't want to drive over the cliff. We shouldn't want to go the ways of destruction. Number two, when we're listening to the teaching of Jesus, beware of getting offended at what Jesus says. Because what's the problem when we read the scripture, it's written 2,000 years ago in a context and there was a certain way of using language and there were certain purposes to use language in that time, that a lot of times there's just a worldview conflict that things weren't said the way they're said now, and we know this now. I mean, you, you can look at TV shows that are made 20 years ago, and you would say, they wouldn't make that show now, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? What is that? It's a worldview conflict. Here's how we think about now, and here's how we're gonna talk now, and, and I'm not saying all these things are good. I'm just saying this is how it is in the world. And when we look at Jesus, and we've been trained with another worldview, and then we look at the words of Jesus, we're kind of like, ooh, I don't, that's, that's a rough one. I don't understand that one. But when we go to the scripture, we have to believe and we have to know that Jesus is doing the appropriate thing for the context he's in. John 6, verse 58 says this, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? They thought Jesus was talking about cannibalism. They, you know, they, he was better than manna that was being provided to the children of Israel. They're like, we don't get it. This is what hard saying means. Have you ever been reading through the scripture and you're like, oh, this is a hard one. What we have to believe in those moments is not that Jesus was wrong, it's better for us to think we don't actually get it. And when his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Verse 61, but Jesus knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So he's explaining it to them. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and life. There are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and whom it would betray him. Verse 65, he said to him, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the father. Verse 66, and many, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And this is happening today. People are confused by biblical interpretation. They, they're they're um, trying to understand a text in 2022, but it was written 2,000 years ago, and they're not diving into the context to understanding. It was like, I just don't get this, and so I'm walking away from Jesus. Verse 67, I love this. Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And otherwise, I'm not trying to keep you here. These are the things that I'm saying to you. This is a good answer. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And this is a really good response. And this is the same thing today, friends. Where else are we gonna go? Are we just gonna look to secular humanism that's failed and is failing? All the other ideologies of man? Where, where are we gonna go except to the one who came and gave himself for us? that we would receive, that we would have a soft heart to what he's saying. Point number three, and we're almost done. When you walk with Jesus, you get celebrated and you get rebuked sometimes. Do you like both of those? You like the first one, right? You like to get celebrated. But do we enjoy the rebuke just as much. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when the disciples came in the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? I love this. He just keeps asking them questions. Why does Jesus ask us questions? Because he wants us to think. Some of his teaching is explicit. And it's out there and it's obvious, but other parts of it, he's asking them questions. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter's doing good here. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. How many think at this moment, (laughs) Peter turned around to the other disciples and be like, (laughs) boom, I got the revelation, guys. You didn't. Aha! I'm amazing. Jesus is celebrating me in front of you all. Let's continue reading. Verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. It's not a good thing to do. But do we do this with our 2022 worldview trained minds? Do we rebuke the ways of God in our heart? Peter's like, he doesn't like what Jesus is saying. But we always have to know that the repentance that Jesus is calling us to do is he's trying to keep us safe. He's trying to keep us from sin. He's trying to keep us from destruction. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you, Peter said. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. So, I mean, he went from the penthouse to the outhouse. <laughs> Same chapter. <laughs> on the top of the world, the top of the apostle heap. And then he got rebuked and called Satan. 
Would you and I keep walking with Jesus? Jesus, that's not very Christian of you. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? See, the things that we think are Christian sometimes maybe just aren't. Jesus rebuked him, called him Satan. And again, this is hard in 2022. We don't want to confront any about anybody about anything. And if you confront anybody, you're mean and you're hateful and blah, 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 and all the things. But we need it, friends. We all need to be confronted with the truth. And what God is calling us to. Because there's a way to live following after the ways of God. And then there is a way of destruction. And there's a way that we know and we have experience of and we've seen other people walking on our own, doing our own thing, following the ways of culture. So we gotta be open to be celebrated, way to go. And we have to be open to be called Satan once in a while. Now, this is not a good thing to do in marriage, all right? This is... This is for Jesus for you, all right? I'm just following Jesus, Pastor Ben. This is not what I'm saying. Please apply the appropriate thing to the proper context. Amen. <laughs> Last point. This is the question Jesus asked to somebody here. We're going to read it. He asked this question. And again, this is one of the ways that Jesus teaches us Do you want to be healed? Now, again, these seem like silly questions that Jesus would ask somebody. There's a, a blind man coming to Jesus one day, and then he asked them, what do you want me to do? And we're kind of like, Jesus, why are you asking these questions? Obviously, the blind guy wants to see. But Jesus is asking these questions for a reason. Again, he's wanting us to think. He's wanting us to understand something. John 5, verse 5. And there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a great multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. There's, I'll just give you, give you an example right there of words that might be contextually hard in 2022. Things that we wouldn't call people these things, right? Are you here this morning? We wouldn't say to somebody they're lame if they had a physical inability. But the message is the most important thing, friends. Don't, don't, don't let the, the words be a stumbling block. It is the thing being said that's important. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. How many know that's a little while? That's for longer than some of you have been alive. 38 years. Been in a situation and a circumstance. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you wanna be healed? This is a really important discipleship question from our Lord. 
Because there could be some things in our lives that have just have been there for a long time. It could be hurt. It could be something physical we're facing. It could be a broken heart. Something that happened to us. Something we did. And it just can become who we are. Here's this guy. What is he doing? He's, he's just hanging out with the sick people. And he's just been there 38 years. But he says to this person, do you wanna be healed? And again, we could be like, this is obvious, Jesus. Of course he does. But the reason God is asking us these questions, here this man is in a different circumstance. There's times, other times people came up to Jesus and just touched him and they were whole. They, and Jesus gave credit to their faith that they were able to reach out. But here Jesus is wanting a response from this man. He's wanting this man to want to change his life. So he's asking them the question. And how many of you think this is an important question? Because we can choose an identity based on all this other stuff that's happened to us. But do we want to identify with the things that God wants for us? Verse seven, this could be our response sometime. The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up while I'm going in other steps before me. Sir, I have nobody. See, and this could be our thing, right? Nobody's helping me. And I just need a person to do something for me. And thank God people can do things for us. It can help us and can bless us. But here in a situation when we have transformed our identity into this long time thing, we have to change our vision and not think about what other people can do and know that God is the one that can help us, that God is the one that can turn it around for us. And we have to be willing to repent and change and be rebuked and not let that thing define me anymore. Verse eight, he said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took his bed. Now that day was the Sabbath. Do you want the thing that God has for you? Because this is the question that Jesus is asking this guy. Do you want the thing? Do you want the change? Because change requires a change. That there would be a malleable sense to our heart that I'm not gonna let this thing define me any longer, this thing that's been around for 38 years. I'm not gonna let it define me anymore. I'm gonna allow God in. I'm gonna allow him to heal me. I'm gonna allow him to direct me. And for some of us, it's gonna be a journey, but I'm not gonna stay in this place. I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna pick up my bed. I'm not gonna lay here any longer. 
I'm not gonna be defined by this thing any longer. And some of us might be down on the mat because of what somebody else did. But I'm not gonna let what they did to me define me. Jesus says, do, we, do you wanna be healed? I wanna be the thing that God wants me to be. And the things that God has for us are on the other side of change. And he wants us to change because he loves us. Let's pray this morning. God, we just love you so much today. We thank you for your goodness. God, we want to be like the disciples who are able to walk with you with whatever you said to us and all the ways that you're trying to change us and and help us and train us to follow after your ways. God, we are open to correction. Because we thank you that you are helping us. God, we just love you today. If you are, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you kind of feel like that man who's been defined by his infirmity for 38 years. And today you're kind of like, you know what? I actually, I'm ready to make that change. I'm not letting this thing define me anymore. If you could just raise your hand up, I'm gonna pray for you. If that's you today. You're not gonna let that thing that happened to you define you anymore. You're not gonna let that label define you anymore. God, you see everybody today who's answering your call. God, we thank you, Lord, for your grace upon all of us today. Your grace of healing, your grace of change, your grace of help that I'm no longer defined by those things that I'm defined as your child, as your son and as your daughter. We thank you that you are lifting us up by the hand today, Lord. By your strong, mighty hand. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Hey, the biggest change for all of us is to follow after Jesus, to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. So if you were here this morning, you have never done that. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You know, all of us need a starting place with God. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second and I invite you to pray along with me. This prayer, again, is just a starting place, just saying yes to Jesus. The gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came to live and he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because of all of that, God offers us a relationship with himself. It's called righteousness, right standing with God. All we have to do is say yes. God is offering us the gift today of a relationship with him. So if that's you today, I invite you to pray along with me. And maybe you're here today and, you know, kind of feel like you used to be in a relationship with God. Maybe something happened, something difficult, some sort of struggle. And you kind of feel like you're not as close to God as you used to be. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. God invites you close to himself again. You pray this with me. So church, we're all gonna pray this out loud together today. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. But God, we thank you for Jesus. 
We thank you that he lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and you raised him from the dead so I can know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's congratulate those people that did that today. Hey, if that is you this morning, there's a connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. And if you would just fill that out and click off, tick off the appropriate box. There's somebody um, at our info desk in the lobby that actually have some materials that they would love to put into your hand that will help you on your journey of faith. This is just a one-time moment. This is just a starting place with God as we've been talking about Jesus is calling us to be disciples. So the materials that we have for you uh, will help you to follow after the ways of Jesus. But we invite you to be part of our church family. We're here every Sunday at nine and 11, moving closer to Jesus. Hey, also, if you came to church this morning hoping to have somebody to pray with you or for you, um, our prayer team is gonna be up here at the front of the stage immediately after service is dismissed. And they're gonna be spread out here and they're moving now, these beautiful people that we have on our prayer team. Spread all the way out over here, Shirley. So if you'd like uh, someone to agree with you in prayer or to pray for you, they are up here and they will be up here right after we dismiss this morning. Thank you for coming to church today. Have a great afternoon. You are dismissed.